If you're like me and you've ever been outside the United States or talked to someone from outside the United States and they ask you where you're from and you respond, Oklahoma, you probably get the response, where's Oklahoma? And if you're like me, you have no idea how to answer that question aside from saying something like North Texas. But in reality, that question is not easy to answer because of all the well-known geographic areas of the contiguous United States, Oklahoma really doesn't line up well with any of them. Obviously, we're not super west, we're not really southern, we're not really midwest, and we're not really northeast, obviously not New England. So where are we? This week on the America of America podcast, we're going to answer the question, where is Oklahoma? And in order to do that, we also have to tell the story in the history of one of the most interesting, if not super well-known areas of Oklahoma that really defines its geography, which is, of course, the Panhandle, otherwise known as No Man's Land. As always, I'm Will Milam, and welcome to the show. and gentlemen. I hope everybody had a great weekend. I hope everybody's ready for a great week. I'm Will Milam, and this is the America of America podcast. I hope everybody enjoyed last week's episode about the Red River Bridge War. That personally is one of my favorite stories about Oklahoma. Definitely my favorite story about Oklahoma's relationship with our little brother, Texas. And I'm super appreciative of all the feedback, all the comments, all obviously even the corrections because we need to get that stuff right. And please continue to reach out. And as always, my email is listed in the show notes at ChautauquaReview at Gmail. That's ChautauquaReview at Gmail. And with that, let's get into a geography lesson. Where do you think of when you think of the locations of certain states? If I say New England, obviously Massachusetts, uh, Vermont, New Hampshire, Tom Brady comes to mind. If if I'm talking about the West, California, Nevada, New Mexico. If I'm talking about the South, you think of uh, Mississippi, Alabama, Georgia. But what do you think of if I say, where is Oklahoma? And this is a matter of a lot of debate. But before the Oklahoma City Thunder, not a lot of people really even knew what Oklahoma was, nor did they really care where it lined up in the contiguous United States. So to all those newcomers, welcome. We haven't even really gotten an answer yet, but we're going to try to answer that question right now. In 1950, the Census Bureau came up with what is really a very interesting and complex method of determining where states were geographically. They split every area up into a region, and then within that region, they split it up into divisions. So for our purposes, Oklahoma was put in Division 3, which is the South. Like I said earlier, states like Georgia, Mississippi, and Alabama. If you're not familiar with a map of the United States, 
Think southeast part, a little bit above Florida and really in that area. And from there, Oklahoma was split off into Division 7. And Division 7 included Arkansas, Louisiana, Oklahoma, and our good friend Texas. So from there, the regional definition of Oklahoma remained uh, kind of stagnant until about 1974 when the standard federal regions comes around and it, it places Oklahoma in a little bit different area. Suddenly, Oklahoma is cut off from those more southeastern states like Mississippi, Alabama, and Georgia again. Now, what remains is Louisiana and Texas and Arkansas, but we are shifted westward and we added New Mexico to our region. So this would be a win to those who see Oklahoma more as a western state than a southern state and would consequently be a loss to those who always thought of Oklahoma as being more of a southern state. But not so fast, because Oklahoma City, Oklahoma's capital, has a branch of a Federal Reserve Bank, and that is the branch that's based in Kansas City. And that branch includes states like Colorado, Kansas, and Nebraska, Oklahoma's neighbors to the north and west. Further complicating things is that Oklahoma City also is home to a federal courthouse. Now, if you're not familiar with the way American legal structures work, you have state law and federal law, and they're in different courthouses. Without delving too far into that, it's important to know that Oklahoma sits in the 10th Circuit Court. We share this circuit with our neighbors to the north, Kansas, our neighbors to the west, New Mexico, but also Utah and Wyoming. And those are the major placers of where Oklahoma is geographically. There are some lesser ones like the Bureau of Economic Analysis that has Oklahoma in the Southwest along with Arizona, New Mexico, and Texas. And the Energy Information Administration, which makes Oklahoma to be with Kansas, Missouri, Nebraska, and Iowa, which is way, way far away from Oklahoma. But what I hope this information goes to show is it's really, really hard to pin down where Oklahoma is. Sam Anderson's excellent book about Oklahoma City would call this phenomenon middleness, of not quite being on one side or the other. Consider this in geographic terms. Oklahoma is bordered to the west by New Mexico, which is undoubtedly a western state. Oklahoma is bordered to the north by Kansas, which is undoubtedly a Midwestern state, and Oklahoma is bordered to the east by Arkansas, which is undoubtedly a Southern state, and Oklahoma is bordered by the South with Texas, which is Texas. Now, there are some qualifying characteristics that we can use to come up with some kind of a sui generis region that Oklahoma can be in. First is the Plains. Oklahoma is the southernmost state of the Great Plains. The Great Plains are a large expanse of flatland that is often used for dry farming and ranching, and it extends from Oklahoma all the way up to Canada. Not just geography, but the concept of the Great Plains is also very important for Oklahoma culture. If you've ever heard the Oklahoma State song or seen the Rodgers and Hammerstein musical Oklahoma, in which case you have heard the Oklahoma State song, you've heard the line, Oklahoma, where the wind comes sweeping down the plain. I'm not going to sing it. Don't ask me to sing it. I'm not going to do it. I sing it in the shower. I'm not going to sing it on the show. 
So besides the Great Plains, the other natural occurring event that is very famous in Oklahoma is, of course, tornadoes. In Oklahoma, tornadoes are just a fact of life, and they're also one of the main reasons that I've heard people justify for not wanting to move to Oklahoma, amongst other things. Tornado Alley, the geographic region of the United States that is known for getting the most tornadoes in the area, is in that same Great Plains area, including parts of North Texas that we don't usually consider part of the Great Plains. So what this shows is that Oklahoma does share something with its uh, immediately southern neighbors in North Texas as well as Kansas, and that is dry, flat land that gets attacked by tornadoes a lot. But again, Kansas is in the Midwest, and Texas is just kind of all off on its own. So if we can't pin ourselves geographically to any region, what if we can uh, pin ourselves culturally to a region? Culturally, Oklahoma is in the middle of what's called the Bible Belt, which is a large expanse of, of states, really from what would be known as the South and the Southeast, all the way to Oklahoma and Kansas and even parts of Missouri. The term Bible Belt is kind of a pejorative that was coined by H.L. Mencken, who is not an Oklahoman, so he won't get his own episode, but if you don't know who H.L. Mencken is, you should look him up right now and then finish listening to this episode. So Mencken coined the term Bible Belt in 1924 in his uh, column for the Chicago Tribune, and what that means is the area of the United States that is dominated by high church attendance, socially conservative values, and specifically evangelical Protestantism. So perhaps you can put Oklahoma in that region culturally. Now, the Bible Belt includes states from the South, again, like Georgia, South Carolina, that area, with states in the Midwest, so Missouri and Kansas, and also Texas, because always Texas. And I hate to spoil it, but the answer really hard to come up with because Oklahoma is very different depending on where you are. Southeast Oklahoma is very Southern. Western Oklahoma is very Southwestern and Northern Oklahoma is basically little Kansas if you've ever driven through that area to try to get to Colorado or anywhere. But if we are all off on our own, then what about the area of Oklahoma that is all off on its own even from Oklahoma? And that, ladies and gentlemen, is how we transition to talking about no man's land, or more colloquially known as the Panhandle. Of all the areas in the state of Oklahoma, the Panhandle is the most interesting to look at on the map. It, it sticks out from the rest of the state, and it makes the state honestly look like a pan. It looks like a pot or a pan that you would use in cooking. So why is it there? Well, first of all, the Panhandle is very old, way older than Oklahoma and way older than the United States, and not just physically existing, but civilizations have been there for a long time. The earliest civilization that we can date is a Paleo-Indian encampment that goes back to around 8,500 BC. And Native Americans occupied that area for a long time, and among these tribes includes the Wichita tribe. So if you've ever driven through uh, Oklahoma going south towards Texas, you'll drive through most likely what's called the Wichita Mountains. And that is actually where that name comes from, is the tribe. 
The first Europeans to colonize Oklahoma, well, the Panhandle and Oklahoma and Texas for that matter, was the Spanish, with the Viceroyalty of New Spain. No man's land juggled between France and Spain until the Louisiana Purchase in 1803. Eventually, the borders would be figured out by the Adams-Onis Treaty signed in 1819, but put into effect in 1821, and of course we remember this treaty from the Red River Bridge War. Soon after that treaty, Mexico got their independence from Spain and the Panhandle became a part of Mexico. And the Panhandle might have remained a part of Mexico, if not for the Texans, who soon after declared the Texas Republic. And that's right, the most interesting area of Oklahoma was once Texan. It was a part of the Texas Republic. So, just to catch everyone up, the Panhandle, three counties of Oklahoma at this point, belonged to the Native Americans before belonging to New Spain, before belonging to Mexico, before belonging to Texas. So we're into the mid-1800s, and this area has already been owned by five different countries. But not so fast, because when Texas became a state, they wanted to come in as a slave state. At this point, the history of American slavery was already long and fraught and terrible. But Texas actually couldn't all come in as a slave state because of the Missouri Compromise, which prohibited slavery north of 36 degrees 30 latitude, which includes the Panhandle. So what did Texas do? Well, in the Compromise of 1850, Texas surrendered that land. So the Panhandle became not a part of Texas and not a part of anywhere. It became no man's land. And for 40 years, from 1850 to 1890, that no-man's-land literally had no government. It wasn't a part of any territory or any state. It was just there for the taking. And taken it was. If you can remember from your U.S. history class, or if you're not from the United States, you can just kind of imagine this, this time period, temperance was a, was a big part of American social discourse at this point, especially in places like Kansas, where the temperance movement was getting going and saloon smashing was a very popular pastime of uh, some political activists. So after the saloons had been smashed, where do the brothels and the bootleggers and the moonshiners go? Well... They went to no man's land. One prominent settlement in no man's land at this time was called Beer City, and it was referred to as the Sodom and Gomorrah of the Plains. Sadly, Beer City is not there anymore. I wanted to go. I looked it up. It's gone. Gone, but not forgotten, because by 1886, no man's land had self-surveyed themselves and began to call themselves the Cimarron Territory. And soon after this surveying, Senator Daniel Voorhees decided that he was going to try to get a bill through Congress that was going to attach this land to Kansas. Now, that bill actually passed and went to the desk of, at time, President Grover Cleveland, but he never signed the bill. So this land remained no man's land and was not a part of Kansas. So, what did the Cimarron Territory do now that they weren't a part of any state? Well, they elected their own government. And soon after, Owen G. Chase became president of the Cimarron Territory, and he even had a full cabinet. And by 1887, No Man's Land had their full-scale legislative body as well, and they even had elections, and their legislature met under Owen G. Chase. So if you think about it, 
that little strip of land in northwestern Oklahoma basically functioned as its own country for a long time. Soon after, Mr. Chase went to Washington, D.C. and tried to get this new territory incorporated into the United States, and, well, he was shot down pretty quickly. And this was the beginning of the end for No Man's Land. There were two events that happened in the next couple of years that would really put in motion this land becoming a part of what's now Oklahoma. No Man's Land hopes were finally dashed with the Organic Act in 1890, which assigned this land to the newly formed Oklahoma Territory. And finally, in 1907, Indian Territory and Oklahoma Territory were combined to create the state of Oklahoma, the great subject that we know and love so much, which is why I'm talking about it right now and why you're listening. For now, that ends our story about No Man's Land, but that doesn't mean that the history of No Man's Land ends there. No Man's Land will play a huge role in the future when we talk about the Dust Bowl, that other uh, natural gift that comes with living in Oklahoma, but that's for another time. Next week, we're going to shift into a similar subject and a similar group of people as those living in No Man's Land. We're going to talk about a group of people who ended up in another kind of no man's land, the Oklahomans that had to move out of the state because of the consequences of the Dust Bowl. And many of these Oklahomans had to move to places like California, where they were dubbed Okies. And we're going to get into the history and the implications of that term. As always, I'm Will Milam, and I'll see you next week. Thanks for listening. The America of America podcast is written and recorded by me, Will Milan, with research assistance from my dear friend, Joseph DeWorlicotti. For this week's episode, we found Sam Anderson's book, Boomtown, very helpful to our research pertaining to the concept of middleness and Oklahoma's geography. If you're looking to support the show, please leave us a five-star review on the Apple Podcast app, and don't forget to subscribe. Thanks.